date of recording, the 7th of July, 2021. Welcome to the final episode of Let's Talk Media with Vedanta Kari. For today's episode, we're talking about college journalism. And my guest for today is Ms. Jordan Broking. Hey, Jordan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course, so do you just want to quickly introduce yourself? Sure. So my name is Jordan Broking, and I am a junior journalism major and politics minor. Um, I am now the assistant news director for ICTV, and I serve as president of the college chapter of the Society of Professional Journalists. How did you get involved in student journalism? Would you mind just getting us through that whole yeah. history? Yeah, sure. So I've always been interested in journalism since I was like a little girl. I've always been a news junkie. And so I decided to really start getting involved really in middle school. I joined my middle school paper as like a news writer. And then I continued that in high school uh, with that own newspaper program there. And I became the first managing editor um, that we know of in my school's history uh, during my junior year. And so I held that role until I graduated. And then by the time I came up to Ithaca, I decided to work on the Ithacan as a staff writer, copy editor, and did that during my freshman and sophomore years. And then as well, I joined WICB and a correspondent for that. And also ICTV, where I reported on, uh, did a few other graphic stuff in the forum, and uh, produce and now serve as the news director. Yes. And so you have a wide history in uh, print journalism with the Ithacan, the Ithaca College newspaper, as well as WICB, our college radio station, and Ithaca College TV. And so do you have a preference for any of those branches of journalism in terms of medium? Um, as far as medium goes, possibly more for a career choice, uh, probably somewhere in the broadcast field, just because that was basically what I kind of lived off of since I was a little kid. I've, I've always had like, a great interest in that and definitely exploded even more while I was at the college and also participating in all of that. So definitely more so for career-wise, um, somewhere in the broadcast field, probably more so television news. Um, but then as far as what I read and what I take in, like it's all the branches of journalism that you can basically think of at this point. That's awesome. And a lot of journalism people that I've interviewed grew up watching 60 Minutes and listening to Serial. Was that the case with you too? Yeah, so I uh, was an avid watcher and I still am an avid watcher of my local news station, WABC here. Um, and then also incorporated uh, World News Tonight or ABC News back when it was when I was a little kid. Uh, so that was definitely an avid thing I watched, Nightline as well. And then, of course, you have to include 60 Minutes in that because I think a lot of college journalists do watch 60 Minutes as well as World News now. And so today's topic is about college journalists. And uh, we both talked about this about a month ago where um, college journalists don't get enough credit in the real world. And so why do you think that is? I think probably because there's just such a hierarchy in the industry itself. Just because um, I think even though we all work for these uh, college you know, stations and newspapers, and we all believe that we're getting like, you know, the most professional type of experience before we actually enter into the professional world, I don't think it's seen the same exact way on the opposite end or on the opposite side itself. I feel like professionals like you just keep it as you're a professional if you only work for like a major station, major paper, or like this, you know, an accredited paper, not a college paper or a college station. And so I feel like that's like the main issue right there, just because like we, since we don't actually have the whole, you know, degree yet, and we're not and they're working for some type of like major organization or some outlet itself that's doesn't have like college name incorporated with it. 
that's why I feel like there's a uh, disconnect right there. And do you feel like it's simulating of a real world environment in terms of these mediums that you worked for in college journalism? Oh, without a doubt. I definitely think that like all the college organizations I worked for like are definitely like preparing me for the real world. You know, we have steady the art studios for STV as well as WICB. You know, you have that really big newsroom for the Ethican itself where you have the whole really, you know, real world experience as far as, you know, going through the editing um, process as well as copy editing, editor-in-chief looking over. It's like that's definitely like a real, you know, big view as to like what the professional world really incorporates or print. And then going back to the broadcast aspect, again, with studios, you have it, you have, you know, uh, working with the server, make sure the server is up for uh, the television station, make sure that you're actually on the air itself. And like all the other like, you know, details and all the other stuff, all the other rules that um, ICTV and WICB incorporate into their own broadcasts. Like that's definitely like something you see in the professional, you know, act toward stations in both, you know, television as well as print. And like I can like for sure 100% say that, that like what Ithaca College is teaching us as far as, you know, like how all these different, you know, fields work is very much what is actually done in these professional fields. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I feel like it's very much like how it is at these major corporations out in the quote unquote real world. And I think it's harder for college journalists sometimes because we also have to balance classes. And I feel like a lot of people forget about that. Yeah, without a doubt, because um, there are some nights, honestly, like where you have to choose between your own classwork or, you know, your deadline for either an article or a package that like you have to like really pick and choose sometimes, which, you know, really shouldn't be the case. And obviously professionals don't have to deal with that. That's just a whole other, you know, role that we have to take on self when we're doing this. I think that also probably adds in a little bit to the burnout that some of us feel as well as we're, you know, doing both. Have you ever been burnt out as a college journalist? Oh, yeah, definitely. We have to take like, so many credits a semester itself just to actually, you know, be considered full-time students or whatever. And so when you're dealing with those credits, you don't know, like, necessarily how easy original class is going to be. You know, you're going to have some class where it's, like, you know, super easy and not, not that, you know, much work to do. Then you have classes on the other end, which is, like, you know, whole huge workload, all readings to do, tests, exams, whatever. And so that definitely does like deal into like this burnout. And yeah, I felt burnout like quite a few times actually. Especially I think last semester when everything was kind of like going back to how it was normally, just because I think we were all kind of used to the whole remote, you know, setting of, you know, going to school and, you know, like doing classes that way. And so obviously the workload for some classes wasn't exactly the same as how it would have been was in person um other classes was pretty much the same and so i think there was that definitely that disconnect with that just how, like that difference between you know like how does it feel to work you know actually in the actual classroom again compared to you know sitting at your desk at home on computer the entire time and so definitely like that definitely did really affect i think me and also like a few other journalists and now that you know work for college stations either with ITV or like an ithigan i definitely know a few different other students that felt the same exact way Gotcha. And I remember also being burnt out, I think, in the fall of 2020, because I was working on, I think it was a 40 minute audio package about remote learning with another friend of mine, Antonio, who's been on this podcast before. But that was a lot of work uh, during remote classes. Mm-hmm. And I do, I do feel like if it wasn't for college journalists, we really wouldn't 
know what it was like for students during COVID because I think Without doubt. the national organizations, even some of the regional ones were more focused on like the general trends, like, oh, COVID cases are up, schools shutting down, whereas college journalists really got to the individual level as to what it's like. Would you agree with that? Oh, definitely. Because I think um, the Instagram really did really well with all their stories on the uh, academic prioritization process, you know, the process that really kind of showed and, you know, developed this entire faculty cuts and what was really going on with that. And so, like, obviously, I think more so some of the more professional, like, outlets, like Ithaca Voice and all the other ones, like, they mostly did stories when, you know, uh, Vice President Farrow or Provost Cornish, you know, put out a statement or, like, released some new information on, like, you know, the final decisions for the APP or whatever. I think that was it. Would you just mind reintroducing this whole ongoing issue at Ithaca College with the faculty cuts? Because it's a very complicated process with all these acronyms like AAP, I mean, APP mm -hmm. and everything else. Yeah, so as part of the college's um, strategic plan, Ithaca Forever, they needed to downsize the college, as they put it. So they needed what that incorporated was basically um, getting rid of programs, you know, um, minimizing programs as far as their size. And that also involved cutting faculty members. And um, with that, they created a whole process called the academic prioritization process, where a group of faculties and members and deans um, basically went over, reviewed the, um, you know, programs, majors, minors, every single school on the campus just to really go see now how the enrollment numbers were aligning, how the student numbers were aligning, and just a bunch of other like different factors as far as, you know, like really trying to see what the size of these programs were and if they'd be, or they, they would continue to be viable in the future for the college. There were 116 faculty positions that were eliminated. And so about 40 of those were actual cuts, like where they were told, like, you know, you've lost your job. Um, another 40 were done through attrition. And then um, some were also already told to retire by last December already. So there was just a whole mix of that. And then there was also numerous uh, programs cut. I think all of the like different, you know, education tracks are uh, cut. So if you wanted to be a phys ed teacher, biology teacher, you want to study how to do that to college, those programs were cut. Um, and then just a you know, a good number of minors as well was cut as well. So like there was all those different um, issues going on. And so basically some of these professors, like the ones who were cut, they were cut. So like they're not returning for this next semester, but then obviously there are students in these uh, majors and minors and programs that did get cut still. And so what they're doing with those students is that they're going to have them basically close out the program. So once the, freshman of last year, so the class 2024 graduates. That's basically when those programs are going to dissolve, the ones that were cut as part of the process goes. And so obviously these uh, uh, group of professors, faculty members, deans can make the final decision to have to go through um, Professor Collado and Professor uh, Cornish. And so they made the decision to like, you know, agree with whatever the um, APPIC so the committee for the um, academic prioritization process, what they said, uh, what they recommended, they approved all the recommendations. And so that put this into whole full motion. So 
there were many, many uh, protests done by a group called the Open the Book um, group. So basically what they did, they had a lot of protests where they wanted the school to be more transparent with their uh, financial record, financial history, just because obviously there was that question of why would you have to cut that many positions on top of the already, I think it was 264 staff members that were cut throughout the pandemic itself. And so that definitely led to this whole question. There's also other student activism um, at play as well. So there's definitely just a whole lot of ground to really cover as far as a college journalist. Yes, and I feel like as college journalists, uh, we already mentioned this, but the national outlets like uh, Forbes and others, they covered these Ithaca College faculty cuts, but they didn't cover it to the same depth that student publications like the Ithacan did. You know, without a doubt, because I think the Ithacan, again, like really focused on like each and every possible like story that could really come out of this just because, um, you know, the other outlets, all they really did again was just report on basically when uh, President Collado or Provost Cornish now approved, you know, like the AP process or their recommendations. And that was really like, I think the only time I really saw numerous outlets report on this was basically when the final recommendations were approved. And so obviously um, it's not just, okay, you lost your jobs, you know, go on with your lives. Like that's not the case whatsoever. And so like, there has to be all those different aspects with that, because obviously, you know, these professors have lives of their own, they have their own livelihoods that they have to, you know, take care of like with their own salaries they're making from the college itself, whether it be family or other um, scenarios. There were other um, professors itself who were on a visa here, work, kind of working visa with the college. Um, because they went, went to go escape or like flee their country for whatever reason might um, be concerned their own lives at risk. There was also those um, BIPOC professors who were also cut as well. And so again, you know, most of it's like the college itself is white. So having, you know, BIPOC professors being cut is not something good to look at, especially in the own, our own um, journalism department itself. Like we had our only BIPOC professor cut, uh, Professor Nunez. And so now um, all the staff on that department, which is all white basically now. And so that's definitely, you know, something hard to look at. I mean, I'm, as you can see, white, but like I know other, I have friends who are like of BIPOC. And so they obviously don't see anyone who looks like them really so much anymore, especially in the journalism program itself. I remember a few people like, telling uh, that professor like how much like it meant to them to have a BIPOC professor teaching them this field and so obviously with her now having her position cut and her you know not long no longer being there it definitely you know puts a whole you know a different you know look on how you know students view the college and all of that and then as well I mean just drones in apartment you know they're just other you know different um, you know, outcomes this with the whole club situation because obviously advisors were cut from the club, so it's like how viable other clubs going to be. And then you also have connections to other like ethical organizations, so like the Longview Assistant um, Home, like how long is that going to be around for? I mean, I interviewed um, one of the professors in the general pathology department, and they think it's going to be like still there for those who are in the minors and those who are still doing the classes after this, but there's still like no real, you know, like 100% answer as far as like what's the going to happen to that and uh, the gerontology institute of the good self. So like that's definitely a whole other, you know, scenario with that as well. 
So it's just definitely a lot that, you know, we had to take in, like that we took in gladly, like we reported on, but then all the outs just, you know, wanted to just look okay. Like the, the officials, like the college officials said this, we'll just go off of that, you know. Um, let's just like end it with that. So, which was honestly like kind of heartbreaking just because I feel like, you know, all these voices need to be heard. And I'm glad that, you know, the Ethigan took time to do that as well as ICTV and WICB. Um, you know, I'm glad that we like actually took the initiative to do that. But I feel like, you know, other um, outlets should have done the same thing. Exactly. And this isn't exactly 100% related to the college, but we both did a package uh, for WICB about a week ago about the Ithaca City of Asylum, which is basically this asylum that gives um, protection and refuge to journalists who are escaping from foreign countries. And a lot of them are people of color. And uh, because of the faculty cuts at Ithaca College, allegedly there's less funding for this asylum program. And we really need that because a lot of these people who are seeking refuge are people of color. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt, like, you know, there are so many different professors like I've heard of who went that, you know, um, phase, you know, Ross Rumi's one. It's definitely important for all of them because obviously, like, having this whole job is helping them, like, you know, have a refuge here, not have to worry about what, you know, consequences, whatever they had to deal with at home. You know, like, what possible attacks, you know. Um, people have planned out for them if they were to return to their home countries. And so obviously having less funding for this is definitely like greatly affecting that, you know, um, organization itself, the ICOY. And so like, and that's, as you said, an organization that definitely needs all the help they can get right now, just because there are so many different journalists from everywhere across the globe, you know, fleeing their countries just to do what they love to do for a passion, journalism. And so, you know, here in the U.S., you know, we're given more freedom as a journalist, you know, to actually report on stuff. I mean, yes, we might have some level of scrutiny against us or some, you know, people calling us biased, fake news, whatever. But, you know, it definitely doesn't compare to what they're dealing with, where they're having death threats. You know, people are actually like assassinating them, like which is horrible to hear about. And so when you're actually, you know, talking to these people um, and also just like learning about it more. It definitely is, you know, a program, an organization that needs to be viable. And so I feel like definitely having us as a journalist report on this itself and uh, like bring it up to the community, I think is definitely important because I don't think, you know, a lot of people really think about the ICOA or anything else really. Like no one else really, you know, like at their work desk thinks about, you know, about all these people who are, you know, fleeing their countries for the reason that they need to flee. And so definitely I think, you know, we do a good job as far as, you know, bringing that up, you know, actually making sure that that topic is actually in the public eye and not just in, you know, a few people's minds. I don't remember hearing about these stories about, you know, them fleeing in other publications. It came mostly from student publications like the Ithacan and uh, WICB, the college radio station for that piece we did. There definitely needs to be like more news organizations focusing on it because that's definitely is going to be a huge issue and a critical issue, especially with, you know, immigration rising um, at this time, you know, like there are many, many reasons as to why all these journalists are fleeing and there needs to be like, you know, more, you know, information available to the public on that just because I don't think so many people really realize, you know, 
the deaths of how much, you know, uh, their lives are at stake in these countries. I mean, like, if you're uh, looking at the Committee to Protect Journalists, like, yes, you'll see how they have a list of, you know, the most dangerous countries for journalists, but some of these countries where um, these residents are from aren't even, like, in the top five, whatever. So, you know, there definitely, like, needs to be more, you know, coverage on that just because it definitely is a crucial issue. I mean, like, we're all journalists at this point, you know, no matter if we're student journalists or national journalists, uh, national journalists, local journalists, like, we're all journalists. We're all under this umbrella. Exactly. And if anybody wants to listen to our reporting on the Ithaca City of Asylum, you can check it out on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and just search Asian in Ithaca Episode 3. Yep. And so, Jordan, you mentioned that there aren't many professors of color in the student journalism department. What about the student body? Is it pretty much mostly white in that, from what you can remember? Yes, definitely. I actually think when I was in one of my journalism classes, I looked at the numbers itself, like back when the data was up at one point. And it basically did show that like most of the student and faculty were white, more so faculty uh, than students, I think, because the faculty... I think it was, I think, close to 80% last time I saw white. And then the students uh, were not that far off as well from, like, that whole white percentage. But you also have, you know, these other people from diverse backgrounds, whether they're Black, Hispanic, Asian, like, you know, anything on that um, side. And so, or a spectrum, really. So, obviously, even though the college itself is mostly white, there also still just be some where there should be representation for those who aren't. I mean, like, every single student deserves to see themselves and what, you know, their professors are teaching, what they're seeing in the real world, uh, what their professors look like. And so um, definitely, you know, that was definitely, like, really good reporting on, you know, our own uh, outlook itself that actually show, like, how significant this would be or this is going to be for those students who aren't really going to have that many, you know, um, people of color or like representations really seeing themselves like by their professors that are teaching them. Mm-hmm. And I definitely feel you on the whole representation thing in that, not just in journalism, but also at the communication school at our college, it's mostly white from what I can remember. And mm-hmm. I don't know the exact number, but I think I'm one of at least 10 to 15 Indian uh, descent people at the communication college. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah. Like it definitely is like from what I can remember is mostly white at the school communications. And so there definitely needs to be more, and there's our representation is, but it's like more, you know, means of actually, you know, like trying to keep that diversity, but also like reporting that as well, just because I think, you know, a lot of people think, okay, the college itself is white, but normally actually like goes deep into each school and actually looks at like you now what you know their representation background is, what their diversity is, and so obviously the only reasons why you hear about this is because you probably know someone who's in the department or in the school like where this is being affected the most. I think you know a few people like didn't know about the journalism department, so like either uh, either me or one of my other friends you know brought it up about you know, Professor Nunez being cut from it, so. Mm-hmm. Forbes was the only publication I could find that cited the Ithaca, and again, our college newspaper as a resource when discussing the faculty cuts, and how does that make you feel? Definitely, like, not 
the greatest is because obviously, again, like people or the news outlets, obviously, you know, turn to us again, look at the New York Times, who basically got most of the information and that one article about college cuts and they didn't even accredit it again. I mean, that definitely doesn't, you know, make you feel the greatest about that just because, you know, we work so hard on this issue. Like we know we're, we're reporting, you know, day and night on it, like week after week on this. And so all these different stories and not really having that level of, you know, respect to actually accredit us like that definitely doesn't, you know, feel good whatsoever. And so like, you know, give praise to Forbes or at least, you know, doing that. But with the, um, you know, other outlets, there definitely needs to be like more, you know, accreditation towards the outlets, the student outlets are actually, you know, working on this, whether it's, you know, writing an article or doing a pack on this, like interviewing the faculty who's like at risk or the ones who did get cut, you know, there are so many different stories that we did. And so like, it'll be like nice to actually now have like other people actually read it other than just the students on campus and the faculty and surrounding area, really. So I think that definitely like wasn't, you know, the greatest on their part whatsoever. And I think they should do more to incorporate, you know, student journalists and give us credit like when we deserve it because as well i think that would also probably help with this whole disconnect with uh college journalists profession journalists with the whole you know kind of divide as far as it goes as far as the hierarchy that i mentioned earlier with it, i think that would definitely help to like bridge those gaps together or actually now have more professional outlets actually recognize us probably be beneficial for like everyone you know the students who are eventually going to be looking for jobs after they graduate from college and also just you know a lot of my students actually yeah like you know the Forbes actually like recognizing my work like that's great like I can maybe like add that to like my you know resume or whatever or like whatever like other stuff with that and so there's definitely like needs to be more on that definitely more need to do that than ever i mean like i've seen a few different articles where you know other you know newspapers are credited um sometimes as far as you know student journals go from other schools it's like other schools are mentioned in the package or the um article that we're talking about right now but i feel like it definitely needs to happen more often than ever especially with this whole entire topic just because again you're not going to have you know every single major reporter at the college itself, you know, doing the story like it all comes from us. Exactly. And again, we keep mentioning this, but college journalists work really, really hard, especially as students themselves. And I don't know if you've read about these, but I actually know of some student newspapers that shut down for a week or so because they were so burnt out and needed to take some time off. Yeah, I have heard about that. Um, And like, I definitely understand the reason why they need to do it just because again i think pre-pandemic and um more so for the college pre-cuts you know all we're really doing is you know just reporting on other you know real news stories that were affecting the college itself and so like but none were as big as or as major as you know covering the pandemic from the students perspective or you know doing all the faculty cut stories from like every single aspect you can think of at the college like that definitely is a lot of work to do. And so like, that's definitely more than um, what you initially like came in to go work for. I mean, I remember I worked, I started working for the again prior to the pandemic and I know what um, we're now reporting on is again, I would never, I uh, would have imagined I'd be, you know, reporting on during my freshman year, walking into like an Ithigan meeting for the first time. 
Like I would never imagine of covering the pandemic, covering the faculty cuts this way. And so, I mean, I do definitely understand why those uh, news organizations did take that like week or two week break, whatever. Like they definitely like didn't need it. Cause again, there's also, as we talked about earlier, the whole, you know, other class workload on it. So obviously when you're, you know, pumping out article after article, package after package on this, on these stories itself, on top of, you know, the tests and papers and all the other stuff you have to do for your other classes, that definitely is a lot of work on you, you know, mentally. So exactly. And it is like a part-time job. Definitely. That's definitely what I call it. Like it's definitely like a part-time job. Like everything, every like little role I like consider definitely is like a, you're working a part-time job. Yes. And I presume it's a lot more stressful than when you were at the high school paper. And again, I'm saying this as somebody who worked at my high school newspaper in 10th grade. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I had a managing editor position at the high school, but it wasn't as, you know, uh, like as intensive or work intensive as it is right now with covering the pandemic and everything. Like, yes, I was making sure that all the articles were going on time, that all my, you know, writers had all the resources they needed and everything. And so, you know, obviously, and also that itself only had maybe like nine or 10 writers itself compared to, you know, the other countless writers for the again and the countless reporters for WICB and ICB. So, you know, there definitely is a lot of uh, more tedious work with this, but it's enjoyable though. Like, you know, it helps us, you know, really build us for the future as far as, you know, what we're going to be getting into when we uh, actually go to like the actual real or quote unquote real world. Um, so definitely, you know, preparing us for all of that, but um, you know, that's really bad. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we're kind of saying the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I want to wrap up. Um, so what needs to change in terms of college journalism, whether it be uh, representation or recognition or reporting or work schedule, even what do you think needs to change? I think definitely the term, like when you're applying for jobs or the whole term experience has changed because, because obviously, you know, as we said earlier, like our own student organizations, our own, you know, journalism organizations are practically part-time jobs. Like that's what we're doing for a living. Like that's what, you know, keeps up at night if we're like editing a story or editing a package together. And so with that, you know, a lot of professional outlets, when you're like applying for jobs, whatever, they always say, oh, you have to have a minimum of two year experience, five years experience, you know? So like, what does that experience uh, entail? Because most of the time it's, you know, you have to have experience in like a professional, you know, other outlet first before you can actually get to like that outlet. And so obviously again, like we're working night and day on these stories itself. So like, I feel like our own work should really, you know, be incorporated in that experience itself. Not just, you know, like my work shouldn't just matter. Like once I graduate college, like I work hard on this work right now. And so I feel like that work needs to be like recognized. And there are some journalists who like already do that. Who like recognize your work, who, you know, want to mentor a student journalist because they were in the same position that you were in. I mean, not so much with the pandemic and faculty gets important per se, but as far as, you know, working, you know, juggling a whole student act and also the, you know, reporter hat as well and so there are those professionals who definitely do see you as a journalist like want to help you build you know your resume up with that and actually you know work on you one-on-one um and then as well 
again, like there just are those outlets to, you know, only see us having experience when you, after you graduate. And so that really shouldn't be the case. So, like if you're actually working for these, you know, accredited stations and also like these accredited student outlets itself, I feel like that should be the same exact experience. I feel like, you know, there shouldn't be boxes for where your experience lies. I feel like if you are actually working on articles, editing articles, you know, having all these experience and all these tools that they need you to actually work on, I feel like that should be the case right there. Like that should be like what your experience is. Um, recognition definitely needs to um, increase in the field itself as far as student journals go. I think for the same reasons as I just stated. And also representation as well. Seeing more representation with, you know, stories that you're telling and also just the reporters, the anchors, the producers, like the writers and all this just needs, really needs to like be more representation just to actually, you know, have people like have students like see themselves in the workplace and not, you know, someone of, you know, white skin and brown hair, blonde hair, that's it. You know, I mean, you see like some other, you know, representation, I think as well with that. And so that's I think, the main thing. Exactly. I agree with pretty much everything you said. And again, college journalism is an amazing experience. And I'm mm-hmm. saying that as who isn't even a journalism major i just jumped into it and i love it yeah definitely like, i love what i do at the college itself i love my work with icv and wicv and the again itself um you know why may not be uh working next semester for you again but um i do appreciate the work and you know respect um that they do and i respect them you know tremendously as well as uh, all my other you know, reporters who work for that, as well as all my other correspondents uh, for WICB and producers for ICV and the course there. And now, uh, like, we definitely do a lot and like, but it's definitely now worthwhile. And it's definitely preparing us for um, what we're going to be walking into. Like, once we get our degrees off stage, uh, whenever we graduate, like, this is definitely, uh, you know, helping us out, like, more so than ever. And I'm, like, truly grateful that, like, if the college itself has this program, just actually allowing us to actually have this, like, you know, pretty close to professional, actually, I would say pretty professional, you know, working environments for all of us. So, Jordan, do you have any final comments, anything we mentioned or anything we forgot to discuss about college journalism? No, I think we kind of, you know, take all the boxes as far as it goes. I mean, definitely for those who are listening, definitely start, you know, reading more of your, you know, college peers' work, whether it's in the student newspaper or on the student, you know, um, television station, radio station. I mean, like, we definitely work hard for these, um, you know, stories, but we're definitely um, part-time journalists practically when it comes to this. Like, we're definitely, you know, out there day and night, you know, um, doing all these stories. I've actually had friends joke around me saying that I basically sold my soul to uh, (laughs) Park School. So, uh, and so I'm sure I'm not the only one who's uh, quote unquote sold their soul. No, you're not. Yeah, so definitely. Um, But again, it's like enjoyable actually having that experience again. Like, and I wouldn't trade that for the world. I wouldn't either. It's a great experience. And again, Jordan Brogan, thank you so much for agreeing to be on this final episode of Let's Talk Media with Vedanta Kari. Really appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Epilogue. Date of recording, the 30th of July, 2021. Before I end this podcast, I just want to take a quick moment to reflect. I have wanted to do a podcast since 2015. I loved the podcast serial, and that inspired me to do my own podcast, but unfortunately, time was just not on my side. 
I was a student in the IB Diploma program, and I was also writing a book. The book is called Miami, the City of Second Chances, which is about a recovering drug addict trying to put her life back together. You can find it online at booksy.com. So because of the IB program and me working on this novel, I had no time to make a podcast. Then in December 2019, I was a sophomore television and radio student at Ithaca College. By that point, I had two good friends of mine start their own podcast within weeks of each other, and in these podcasts, they would talk about their lives. I was still scared about not having the time to do a podcast, but when my two friends made their podcast, that made me realize that college was probably the last window for me to create a podcast. So I finally brainstormed ideas, and during that process, I noticed that a lot of my topics related to my thoughts on the film and television industry, so I decided to name the podcast Let's Talk Media. The podcast was originally supposed to be just 13 episodes, with the cancel culture one being the finale, but then the pandemic happened, and I decided to keep the podcast going, not only because I was consuming more TV and film, but also because the media landscape underwent drastic changes during the pandemic. Productions shut down. We shifted to online learning. So many people struggled with mental health due to online schooling. The 2020 election was going on. And the Black Lives Matter movement captured attention throughout the world on phone screens and televisions. So I also wanted this podcast to become a time capsule for Future listeners who want to learn more about how 2020 and 2021 changed our consumption and production of media, whether that be temporarily or who knows, even permanently. I also want to thank my guests who came on this podcast because this podcast was originally a solo show, but then I realized that would just consist of me regurgitating facts and opinions that I already knew. And as a TV student, both currently in college and lifelong, that sounded boring and I wasn't learning anything new about an industry that I'm super passionate about. So starting with episode 3, I started to have guests on the show and I want to thank every single guest who came on this podcast for teaching me more and more about the media landscape and hopefully you, the listener, also learned something by tuning into this project. With that, thank you for listening. This has been Let's Talk Media with Vedanta Kari.